You are listening to Graceway's weekly message podcast. We hope that this message encourages you to know and enjoy God, find friends, discover your purpose, and make a difference in your community. Enjoy the message. Today, uh, I have been tasked with wrapping up our Hearing God series. Uh, for the pa- I don't know if you've been here for the past few weeks, but Pastor Tim and Amy Patrick have set the bar fairly high. Uh, for, for this close today. Uh, God's been moving and uh, it's been pretty incredible. So uh, I want to wrap up today with this, this idea of um, when God is silent. How to hear God uh, when God is silent. And I don't know, have you ever been given the silent treatment by somebody? Yeah, um, all the married people are like, amen. Uh, if you're married... You've received it if you have teenage children. You have received it if you've been a teenage child. You've given it, right? Uh, Really, if you have any relationship with anybody at any time, you have either given or been the recipient of the silent treatment. Now, the silent treatment can happen in a few different ways. One, uh, silent treatment can be given when it's a, a, a matter of avoidance. Like you just don't know what to say. Or you know if you say anything, it's going to be conflict. So you avoid it and you just give the person the silent treatment. Uh, the silent treatment can also be a method of communication that you don't really know what you're feeling. You don't know how to say the things you're feeling. And so you communicate your anger or frustration by getting silent. That's the majority of people. Like, I'm upset with you, and you're going to find out by me being quiet, right? Now, there's also the silent treatment as a form of punishment. This is kind of like emotional abuse. Like, uh, I want to control you or the situation, and so I'm not going to talk to you about it and kind of con- and gain control over you. But regardless of why you use it, we've all kind of been experienced, we've all experienced uh, the silent treatment. Now, I've been blessed in my marriage. Uh, my wife doesn't really employ the silent treatment. However, she's been less blessed because I do. Amen? Uh, <laughs> I pray for your boy, okay? So uh, I, when, I, when I'm trying to uh, figure out how I'm feeling, oftentimes I'll shut down and I'll do the dishes. Like I'll I'll show you how angry I am by how clean these dishes are, <laughs> right? Amen. I got a support group over here. I got some angry cleaners, okay? Uh, <laughs> and uh, for the past month, we've been walking through uh, 21 days of prayer. Anybody come to 21 days of prayer at all online? There you go. Um, we didn't keep attendance, okay? So if you showed up once, you came to it, Okay. Uh, but what we've basically been doing is Pastor Tim, at the beginning of 21 Days in this series, he gave us the cheat code for how to hear God. He said, when you want to hear from God, there's two things you need to do. One is you need to turn down the noise around you. So if you want to hear from God, he said, turn down the noise around you uh, and, and you'll hear clearer. Uh, this is what fasting is. So when you remove distractions, it can be entertainment, social media, even food, right? Our hunger and being completely satisfied in our hunger can, be, can numb us from what we really need. So experiencing hunger and saying, I'm going to take this hunger and I'm going to channel it towards prayer is a way to turn down the noise around us and to hear God better. He said the second thing you can do besides turning the noise down is you can lean in closer to the person talking. If you want to hear somebody, you lean in to them. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is leaning in to hear God. And so that's really an amazing cheat code to have. Like, hey, if I want to hear from God, I need to turn the noise around me down, and I need to lean closer to God. But what I'm afraid of and why I want to close the, the, the series this way is I feel like some of us have come through 21 days of prayer, or just you're just here for the first time today, 
and you feel like God's giving you the silent treatment. Like, I've been turning the noise down, I've been leaning in, and he's not talking to me. I'm trying to hear from him, I want to hear from him, but he's not saying anything. And the silent treatment can leave us confused, can it? If, if you're not talking to me, then are you mad at me? D- did I do something wrong? Is there a misunderstanding that we got to figure out? And so th- we can feel that way with God sometimes. God, are you angry with me? Did I do something wrong? Why aren't you talking to me? And so we need to figure out how do we hear from God when he's not saying anything? How, how do I listen to what God's saying when I feel like he's silent? And I want to encourage you today that if you are in that season now or you've ever felt in that season, you're not alone. Has anybody ever been in a season where you feel like God is quiet? Yeah. Yeah. So look around the room. You're not, you're not alone in the room, and you're also not alone in church history. We look at the scriptures. We see David say in Psalm 28, To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent, I become like those who go down to the pit. Asaph in Psalm 83 said, O God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, God. Job famously in Job 30 and 20 said, I cry to you for help and you do not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. You ever talk to somebody and they just stared at you? Like one, that's mad awkward. (laughs) Two, it's really frustrating, right? I'm talking to you and you don't respond to me. And that's how it feels sometimes when we're in seasons of silence. I want you to know that you're not alone in the room. You're not alone in church history. And God has a word for you if you feel like he's not talking to you. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. This is going to be our main text for today. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to pray and get busy today. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, says this. And he, being Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, say keeps, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I want to preach to you today from the idea, when God is silent, he is saying, don't give up. When God is silent, he is saying, don't give up. Let's pray. God, we thank you today. We thank you for your presence. God, you are already here. So we say, God, have your way in this place. Speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Give, a, give us an experience of your power in this place. And God, help us to, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to rightly divide your word and to rightly apply it to our lives today. Add wisdom to the reading of your word, God. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Now, as we get into Luke 18, we have to understand the context of how we got to this parable. Uh, There's a professor in St. Louis who used to say, a text without context is no text. So we have to understand the context in which the, the text is written. See, in Luke chapter 17, right before Luke 18, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they want proof that the kingdom of God is coming. They say, Jesus, tell us how the kingdom of God is going to come if you're the son of God and you're going to do all this stuff. We don't see the cosmic powers we expect. We don't see the magnificent wonders that will precede the the kingdom of God coming. And he tells the Pharisees, that's not how the kingdom of God works. And he turns his attention from the Pharisees to his disciples. And he begins to teach his disciples what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes to a person. He begins to explain that the kingdom of God comes quietly and that it'll come in a way that it'll oftentimes catch us off guard. That people won't be prepared for what God's going to do. He says it's not going to come with signs and wonders. It's going to come in the lives of people, not how you expect, Jesus says. And he tells them, he says in verse 1, he says he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and to not lose heart. You see, the disciples, they wanted what the Pharisees wanted as well. They wanted to see the kingdom of God come to earth. They wanted to see the power of God come. And they've been looking for it, but God was taking his time, doesn't he? God was taking his time. And Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, while you're waiting, while it seems like God isn't doing what he wants to on your timeline, I'm going to tell you a parable so you don't lose heart and continue to pray. Because what God wants us to know is when he's silent, he wants us to keep going. He wants us to keep going even in his silence. So I have three very simple things to walk us through today. Because the, the, the question isn't, uh, you know, should I keep going? The question is, hey, how do I keep going? Because I, I get your pastor, you're saying don't lose heart, keep praying. But I am losing heart. And I don't want to keep praying. I've been praying for this thing for years. Or I prayed for it, I feel like it happened, but now it's back. And and now I'm back where I started. And so I feel like, what's the use of praying then? I am losing heart. So the question isn't, should I keep going? The question is, what do I have to do to not give up? What do I have to do? And so I have three simple things for you guys to do. To what not to do, or what to do to not give up. Uh, I played football in high school. So i got to keep things really simple. You know what I'm saying? And so if it's not to help you, it's really just to help me. I want to keep things simple today. i got three things for you to do. Number one, you got to look up. Number two, you got to look back. And number three, you got to look forward. Those, that's all you got to do to keep going. Can I, can, I, can I make it plain today? Let's go. All right. So the first thing you got to do if you don't, for, to not give up is to look up. All I mean when I say look up is keep running to God. Keep looking to God. But the problem is, this is not our natural response. When we ask God for something and he doesn't respond to us, our first response isn't to lean in closer. When we bring our need to somebody and they don't respond to us, our first response is, forget you then. Forget you. Like, if you won't help me, what do I need you for in the first place? I don't need your help. Uh, Brother Tom was here in the first service and uh, a few years ago, I came to him because I needed some help cutting some trees down in my yard. And I said, hey, Tom, I need some help cutting these trees down. I heard you have some experience. He says, say less. 
he shows up to my house in a cut-off button-up shirt. You ever seen somebody wear a cut-off button-up shirt? <laughs> Sleeves cut off, buttons in the front. That's how I know this man is about his business. He is, he's not afraid of some trees or a chainsaw, none of that. Now me, I come out of the house fully sleeved, protective gear on my pants, a helmet and a face, no lie. This man's got wranglers on, cut off, buttoned on the front, sun's out, gun's out, let's cut some trees down. Now, if I would have come to him and said, hey, brother, will you come help me cut these trees? I heard you know how to do it. I need your help. And he says, nah, I'm not the one. I don't want to help you. I'm like, man, that's probably the last time we talk. I'm like, forget you. I'm going to do it myself. And that's what we do with God. God, here's my needs. Here's where I need help. Here's what I want you to do in my life. And when God doesn't do it, we go and do it ourselves. I'm going to go figure this out myself, God. You're not doing anything anyway, so I'm going to go do it myself. I'm going to manifest this for myself. Hello? The problem is what you really need in life, you can't get on your own. The older you get, you realize there are things you need more than you need other things. Who here needs peace in their life? Listen, there's few things in my life at this point that are worth costing me peace. I need peace in my life. The problem is I can't get peace on my own. I need, I need help. Uh, who here needs to be fully known and fully loved? Yeah, I can't just manifest that on my own. God has to provide that. Who here needs deep abiding joy despite our circumstances? I can't get that on my own. The widow in our story has a need that is bigger than her ability to manifest it on her own. She needs justice in her life. She has an adversary and she needs justice. Why does she go to the judge? It's not because he's a good guy. He doesn't fear God or man. She goes to the judge because he has authority. She needs somebody with authority to get the things for her that she cannot get on her own power. The, true is, the same is true for you and for me. There are things that I need that I need someone who has greater authority than me to get it on my behalf. This is, what God, this is why even when God is silent, you keep coming to him. Because guess what? Who else is going to get those things for you? Nobody has enough money to buy you peace. Huh? Do, do you, I mean, I, I have Instagram. I see these celebrities be tripping. All the money in the world, zero peace. I need somebody with more, with more than money to give me some peace. The widow has a need. You see, sometimes we think that God's silence means he's inactive. The reality is while God is silenced, silent, he's busy working in the background. See, there was a 400-year period of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the years of silence. And all through that time, God was superintending Jesus to arrive. He was busy working the back. Don't, don't, don't believe me, I got some names to bring up. Abraham was made a promise by God that he would be a father of many, but he had no kids. And it was years that went by waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. He got so frustrated with God, he tried to manifest it on his own, didn't he? Every time you try to get what God wants for you on your own, you end up worse than when you started. But if he just would have waited on the Lord, God was working in the silence the whole time. 
What about a lady named Esther, Queen Esther? The whole book of Esther, the name of God is not mentioned one time. But the whole book in the silence, God is working in the background to deliver his people to safety. Nehemiah heard a report from Jerusalem that the walls had been torn down and the city was, uh, was open to attack from all directions. And he wept and prayed bitterly for weeks. And in the silence, God was working not in Jerusalem, not on Nehemiah. He was working on the heart of the king to provide entry for Nehemiah to the city. Ruth lost her husband and was stuck with a bitter mother-in-law. The last place you want to be stuck. Listen, it's really with a bitter anybody. Bitter, bitter people will poison everything. And the whole time, God is working behind the scenes, bringing a kinsman redeemer to her life. King David cried out over and over again, how long, oh God, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? My enemies, like dogs, are on every side. Where are you, God? And in the silence, in the background, God is working to establish the throne of David, not just for that moment, but for all eternity. Let me bring it to modern day. Uh, 14 years ago this week, I dated my wife for the first time. First date. Amen. 14, I shot my shot, uh, and, we, and we went on our first date. Now, a few months later, um, I realized I wanted to marry this woman. And, uh, you know, you want a proposal to be a surprise, right? But Christians, you know, Christians just be, always be trying to get married. So it's hard to surprise, uh, you know, some, you know, Christians just love it. Every, everybody you date, like, this is my potential wife. This is my potential wife. This is my potential wife. <laughs> Listen, pray for just Christian singles, y'all. We were praying for y'all, okay? <laughs> Be strong in the Lord. Don't waste the singleness, okay? Marriage is not the goal uh, uh, of Christianity, okay? <laughs> Be strong. Be strong. Don't, <laughs> don't cast your pearl before swine, amen? So that's a whole other sermon, y'all. Okay, I'm going to come back to, to my situation, okay? So I'm trying to marry this girl. And uh, there's a couple things you got to know to propose. One thing you need to know is a ring size. So I had to, like, tip my hat a little bit and ask her what her ring size was. We dated long distance, so I couldn't be sneaky. I had that, hey, what's your ring size? So we're talking about marriage a little bit. But then I had to go underground with it. I shut down all that marriage talk. And I started calling her best friend to be in cahoots so we could figure out a way to surprise her with this proposal. Here was our, our idea. See, my wife and I, we met at a theater in Nashville. Went to a, a concert at a theater. We met there. I wanted to rent out the theater to propose in the same place we met. Oh, I know. I know. Every ounce of smoothness I had was emptied out back then, okay? And so what we devised, the plan we devised was that her friend, who, who managed bands at the time, she was a band manager, would tell her that her band was going to perform at that theater. And she needed some promotional materials for the concert. And so we lied through our teeth, and we had her devising a, a flyer for this concert. On the day of the proposal, her, my wife and her best friend took a, a girl's day to go have some brunch and do some fun stuff. And while they were at brunch, her best friend says, hey, we're close by the theater, how about we go drop off those flyers? The band is actually uh, uh, um, 
rehearsing right now. So let's go by there, drop the flyers off so they have all that, and we're, we're done with that. And isn't that the theater we all, you and Todd met? That's crazy. Anyway, just keep eating, eating brunch. As they're on the way, her best friend says, hey, has Todd brought up marriage anymore lately? And she's like, no, you know, he asked for my ring size, but then he stopped talking about it. And she's like, that's crazy. He's just real busy, though. Her best friend's like, he's just, he's just busy. He's probably, you know, he's probably still thinking about it. They pull up to the theater. They come inside, open the doors, and there's me with a ring, candles on the stage, and a musician. I know. Listen. 14 years, baby. You feel me? I what. So, see, she thought I had forgotten about it. But for months, I'm working behind the scenes in ways that she doesn't know to fulfill my promise to her. This is how God does this. You bring a desire to him. And he's like, listen, I got some work to do. I'm going to need you to keep talking about it. Don't give up just because you told me once. Keep going. We got to look up and keep running to God. When you keep running to God, listen to where our confidence comes from that. 1 John 5 and 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When you have given your life and faith to Jesus, your confidence comes in the fact that when you pray, he hears you. He hears you. Now, he may not be talking back to you, but he's hearing you the whole time. So keep running to him while he works in the background. His silence does not mean inaction. When God is silent, he's saying keep going. And to keep going, you got to look, first look up. Secondly, you got to look back. First, you got to look up. Second, you got to look back. When I say look back, basically all I'm saying is, hey, don't forget where you came from. When you feel like God is silent in your life, don't forget all the things he brought you over to get you to where you couldn't even feel like that right now. Do you know how many seasons you spent praying, God, if you would just deliver me from this situation, God, I'll never X, Y, and Z. We start negotiating, right? God, I need you to move in this situation. How do you think you're sitting right here or logged in online right now? It's because he brought you over those situations. So how are you going to sit in a season of silence and be like, oh, God, you ain't nowhere. Oh, God, I got to do this on my own. No, you have to look up and look back. God, I need to remind me how you've worked for my benefit. Remind me all the ways you have brought me over. When I look back over my life, it's clear to me that God has provided a testimony. Pastor Brandon said, I either sing out of faith or out of a testimony. And every single person in here, if you've been walking with Jesus, he brought you here because he delivered you from where he came from. Don't forget where you came from. Listen to this psalm. This is called the song of Asaph, not Asap Rocky, okay? This is Asaph with a P-H, okay, young people? Stay with me. I turned 42 weeks ago, so I, I can say young people now. That's right. If you're 39, 38, young people. Uh -huh, I'm, I'm glad to see the young people still following Jesus, amen? Okay. This is the song of Asaph. It's called, In the Day of Trouble, I Seek the Lord. He says this in verse 1, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. Do you hear the confidence? I cry to God and he hears me. 
In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. He said, I'm miserable right now. And in my misery, he says, you hold my eyelids open. I can't even get any rest, God. I'm so troubled, I cannot speak. I consider the good old days years long ago. And my spirit makes a diligent search. And I land on this question, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Will God never be good to me again? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? This is how it feels when God's quiet to you. Then he said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. In his anguish, in the silence, he begins to look back. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. With your arm, you redeemed your people. He's not dishonest about his frustration. He's not lying about the fact that he feels like God has shut up his promises. But he says, hey, when I feel like this, I'm going to look back over all that God has done. When you feel like God is silent, you've got to look back. You cannot keep going unless you remind yourself of all that God has done in your life. And when you look back, you might just need to remember what he said to you back then. See, listen, if you're walking through a season of silence from God, you need to remember the last thing he said to you. Because we love to move on to what's next and forget what he said to us last. God's like, well, I'm not going to say what's next to you because I, you're still not doing what I told you to do last time. I'm waiting for you to be obedient to what we, what we did over there. Remember when I brought you out of that situation? I said, okay, now you're safe. Get busy doing X, Y, and Z. You didn't do that. You started doing X, but then, you know, a new show came out. And now you're asking me, okay, God, I need you to speak into my situation. I spoke. I told you what to do. Remember when you were hungry and in my word and I was speaking all those truths to you? I still need you to do that. I'm working on some things in the silence. I'm getting ready for you. But if you don't stay with what I told you last time, you're not going to be ready for what's next. Yeah. See, listen, some of y'all are asking for a breakthrough in your finances, but God told you to make a budget. Yeah. Ah, I don't like this, Pastor. Some of y'all are praying for a financial increase in your life. God told you to pay off that debt. I don't know. Some of y'all, that didn't get y'all. Okay, some of y'all been praying for a new relationship, but God told you to go to therapy. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> some of y'all been praying for a bigger house, but your current house ain't clean. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. That's what we're doing right now. Would you want a, you want a bigger house to make more mess? No, no. God's like, I, hey, listen, vacuum, pray, get back to me. That's what God's saying. You're so worried about what's next, you forgot what God told you back there. 
When God is silent, he's saying keep going. And if you want to keep going, you got to look to him and you got to look back to what he already said and what he already did. Amen? Amen. And this is free. All that stuff was worth the price of admission. This is a little free. This is, this is recent this morning. God told me when we look back, as a necessity of looking back, we also look around. So when we look back, we got to look around as well. And I'm afraid that in seasons of silence, when we look around, we see God talking to other people. <laughs> we see God talking to people around us, and we get mad. We get angry. God, why are you doing that for them and not for me? And then heaven help us if we know anything about that person. God, do you know about them? Because I know a few things, God, and they don't really deserve what's going on with them. And I came to 17 days of 21 days of prayer. And so I don't know if you've been checking attendance, Lord, but I gold star. We get mad when God's silent with us and moving on behalf of other people. But I heard an old pastor say this word to me. He said, when God is blessing your neighbor, he's in the neighborhood. Come on, sister. That's the word, ain't it? If God is blessing your neighbor, it means he's in the neighborhood. So why are you getting angry? You need to stay put and keep coming to him. I'm not trying to move houses. I'm trying to stay right here in this cul-de-sac. Because just like the ice cream man, he's going to circle back around. <laughs> hey, Lord, okay. You did it for them. You did it for them. Just don't forget me. Whatever you're doing in this season, God, don't do it without me. You need to look around and see God blessing the people around you and know I'm in the right place. If God is speaking to people around me, if he's moving in people's lives around me, why would I go anywhere else? These people are walking with the Lord. These people's prayers are being heard. I need to get closer to them. I'm going to need to invite them over. Hey, what's going on? Tell me. Just tell me the testimony you got right now. Encourage me because I'm losing heart. So tell me what God's doing in your life. Because I feel like he's silent right now. Tell me what it's like to have him speak to you. When we look back, we got to look around, y'all. And the last thing we got to do, and then I'm in my seat, we got to look forward. We got to look forward. All I mean when I say that is you got to keep telling God what you want. When you feel like God is quiet, keep telling him what you want. Now, there's a cliche saying that says there's a reason why your car windshield is huge and your rearview mirror is small. Because you can't go forward looking backwards. So you need a picture of what's back there to keep you going forward, but you need a vision for your life. A vision for your life is just a preferred future. If it's, I don't even know what a bit, just, just a preferred future. It doesn't have to be like your vision for the next 30 years. It could just be your vision for the next six months. Here's a preferred future I have for my life. And when you have that vision, you bring it to God. And you keep bringing it to him. Because listen, there, there's a benefit. Sometimes when God is quiet, it's maybe so you can keep repeating yourself. You ever sat down with somebody and told them an idea you had? And once you said it out loud, you wish you would have kept it a thought? Like that sounded real good in my head. And now I said it out loud, and I want to crawl under the table because it sounds stupid out loud. Sometimes we have visions for our life that make no sense. 
make no sense. Sometimes we have vision for our life that doesn't line up with what God would have for us. So he needs us to bring our dreams and hopes and visions to him. Say them out loud. Repeat them. Roll them over in our minds, in our mouths, in our hearts so we can hear it said out loud. And so he can have time with us to cultivate those dreams to get more in line with what he wants for us. He's a good father. He wants to hear our dreams, but he also knows better than we do. So, hey, bring your vision, give it to God, and when you don't see the things you want coming to pass, start asking instead of, hey, God, here's what I want. God, what do you want? How do you want me to do this? How would you see the next few years of my life? And you keep saying to it, the unrighteous judge said, I'm going to give justice because I don't want her to keep bothering me. God says, hey, keep bothering me. And I'm better than the unrighteous judge. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going I'm to come through for you. But you got to keep talking to me. When you shut up is when you shut down the relationship. I need you to keep talking to me. Now, uh, I've noticed this in my life because uh, my wife decided uh, last year to get her first job outside of the house in about a decade. It's been amazing. So she's killing it. But it's been a transition for our family, mainly because she leaves before the kids and I do in the morning. So this woman has the audacity to leave me alone with my children for 30 minutes in the morning. It may not sound bad. <laughs> and I have to finish feeding and getting them ready for school. And early on, I used to tell my kids, hey, go get dressed for school. And then I would just carry on with my life. <laughs> it comes time to leave for school, and I go upstairs, teeth ain't brushed. One shoe's on, one shoe's lost. <laughs> Untied. One leg is outside of your pants. How did that even happen? What's going on with your life? And I real, I've realized over the months, I'm a slow learner, okay, that I can't just tell my kids to get ready for school and expect it to happen. I got I to, gotta, hey, get ready for school. What do, you need, what do you need next? What's the very next thing you need? Oh, one more bite. Take another bite. What do you need to do? Did you brush your teeth? Breathe in my face. No, you definitely didn't brush your teeth. <laughs> Come brush your teeth. Your parents, you do the breath check. Breathe in my face. I'm the sacrificial lamb, okay, for everyone else's benefit. <laughs> Breathe here, brush there. And I realized over time that I have to be consistent in what I'm asking because I have a desire. My desire is to leave and take you to school so they can deal with your nasty breath. Amen. Right? But I got to keep cutting. Hey, here's what I want. I want for you to get dressed. I want for you to get your shoes. I want you ready to go to school. I can't say it once and be done. Why do we go to God one time, say it, and then be like, all right. Keep coming to him. It's work to do in the in-between. God isn't some cosmic genie you get to rub the lamp and just experience his power. He wants relationship with you. It's the, and the same thing with my kids. I'm not a good dad if all I do is scream at them to get ready. i got to show compassion, walk with them. Hey, let me tie your shoe for you. Next up, let me teach you how to tie your shoes. Right? Let me shut the TV off. Let me stop scrolling and engage so I can help you get to where you need to be so I can get to where I want to be. God's asking you, hey, keep coming to me. Keep talking to me. And before we forget why Jesus is sharing this story in the first place, the Pharisees came to him saying, God, or saying, Jesus, if the kingdom's coming, where are the powers? 
Where's the miracles, God? If the kingdom's coming, where, where is the fanfare? And he turns to his disciples and he says, hey, it's not going to happen like they're talking about. It's going to be quieter. And here's what he says in, verse 17, in chapter 17. It's going to happen in ways you cannot perceive. The kingdom of God moves quietly. It doesn't just come in in boldness and power and, 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 and miracles. It, God does those things. But the kingdom of God shows up quietly in the lives of people as they're transformed to look more like Jesus. That's the, that's the power of the kingdom of God. It happens in your life as you keep coming to God with your prayer requests. Don't get, I'm afraid that we're going to get caught looking for signs and wonders and be unprepared when Jesus moves in your life. Because listen, I have big plans and dreams for my life, for the lives of my children, but I don't want to get all that I've asked for and be unprepared to handle it when I get it. God has to work in you to be able to get you to where you want to go. He's got to work on your character to be able to get you to where you're called to be. You, you don't want to walk into your calling before your character's ready because you'll blow it. If you got everything you asked for right now, you would be miserable because you wouldn't know what to do with it all. God's saying, hey, I'm being quiet right now because I'm working on you. I'm working over here in 12,000 different situations to prepare your future for you. Would you just keep coming to me? Would you not get angry because you don't see me doing all these things? Keep coming to me. And here's the question in verse 8 of our text. Jesus said, I tell you, God will give justice to them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What God wants, he wants to find just some people expressing their faith through prayer. That's what he wants. Hey, you're going to get what you're asking for. You're going to get the desires of your heart as God provides. But when he comes, he's like, hey, if I show up, are you going to be ready for me? If I bring you the things you're asking for, are you going to be ready? Will I find a faithful person who can handle it? That's what I need. And you express your faith by simply continuing to come to him. When God's quiet, he's saying, keep going. Keep looking up. Keep looking back. And keep looking forward. Now, if you're here today and you want to see the power of God work in your life, the reason we have confidence that God hears us is because of the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. That's our only confidence. Paul said, I claim to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Our confidence in God hearing our prayers comes through a relationship with Jesus. If you want to see the power of God in your life and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're starting in the wrong spot. Come to the cross of Jesus. Put your faith in him. You know who he is? He's God made flesh. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He lived a perfect life, and he died a sinner's death. He was literally and physically buried. And on the third day, he literally and physically rose from the grave in victory, in power, and authority. So that you can come to him, and you can give him your raggedy old life, and he gives you his perfect life. If you're coming today and you say, hey, I'm miserable right now, I'm losing heart, I can't continue, there's only hope found in faith in Jesus. If you're a believer, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but you're losing heart, keep going. Look up, look back, and look forward. Let's pray. God, we thank you today.
We thank you that you hear us when we pray. God, remind us today that even when you feel silent, God, you are working in the background. You are accomplishing your promises in our life. God, help us to submit ourselves to you, to keep coming to you. Remind us of all you've done in our past. God, help us to see the blessings and the neighbors we have, God. And God, give us a vision for a future. Give us a vision for a preferred future and help us to give that to you. God, would you have your way in your time in our life and help us to trust you every step of the way. God, Holy Spirit, fill us up in our weaknesses. God, help us in our unbelief. Point us to the person and work of Jesus. Help us to depend more wholly on you. And God, when you bring about the things in our lives that we desire, when we see your promises fulfilled, God, will we remember to give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. You are working all things for our good and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.